Well, good morning, Gateway family. We had the kids giving us a 10-second countdown over and over there. I love it, guys. That was awesome. It is so good to see you as we gather together to worship the Lord this morning. Just several announcements for you as we begin today. First, I want to remind you, we have our twice-a-month afternoon prayer gathering today in this room at 4.30. It's a great chance to come together as a small group and to pray for one another, to pray for the church, to pray for the world, to pray for the nations and all that's going on. And so that'll be 4.30 for one hour here in the sanctuary Today. Now, next weekend, we have something exciting coming up. We have it's called Gateway's Got Talent. This is a church talent show. This is coming up this upcoming Saturday, March 5th, 6 o'clock, here in the sanctuary. Now, it's just a one hour performance. There's 13 different performances of it. These are people who have auditioned ahead of time, and so we know what you're going to get, so there's not any surprises coming on this. You'll get to hear vocal, there'll be some dance, there'll be drama, all sorts of exciting things. But one hour or so to come together as a church family and to see some of our Gateway family and some of their talents on this coming Saturday at six o'clock. Now also coming up in March, can't believe it's almost March 4th, March 19th. It's our, we're calling it our family day, but this is the church family. This is for all people in all walks of life in the church, whether you're a senior adult or a younger single, this is for everyone. We're going to be up at Iron Horse Ranch up in Wetumpka and the Corey's back here. Wave your hands, Scott and Janine back here. They're the ones, this is their vision. And so if you want to hear more about it, come talk to them, but it's going to be really exciting. We're going to have a hayride through the woods. There'll be horseback riding for kids in the arena, horseback riding for adults out on the trails. If you have fishing poles, you can bring them. There's great fishing in the ponds there. We're going to have cornhole and bocce ball and outdoor volleyball and all sorts of stuff. So it's going to be a fun day. We're providing a free hot dog lunch. It starts at noon. And so we'll eat lunch together out there, grilling out hot dogs. Then we'll just play over there in the, at the, at the park all day. And so it'll be a fun chance just to fellowship together. Hope you'll come. We do want you to sign up just so we have enough food for everyone. We don't want anyone to run out of hot dogs at a cookout, right? So if you just go to our website, you see it out there, gatewaybaptist.com. Visit the blog. There's a place to sign up and there's, there's no cost to come. Sign up is just you put in your name and one email address for the whole family. It'll take just a minute. We just want to know you're coming so that we can have enough food for you. Also coming up, longer term in April, Secret Church Simulcast, April 29th. This is six hours of teaching from pastor and author David Platt. So just want you to be aware that space is limited and we're already at half capacity for that. So if you're wanting to come to that, um, please go ahead and sign up on the website. There's no cost for Gateway people. You should have an email from us with the code to get rid of the cost at checkout. If you don't have that, just contact the church office and we will be glad to get that for you. Also, just want to mention to you as well, if you've watched the news this week and you've seen just what's happening in Ukraine and your heart breaks like my heart breaks for what's going on, it's hard sometimes to even know how to pray for what's going on over there. But we as believers need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and praying for the loss there and just praying for God to work. If you want some help in knowing how to pray, we emailed you um, a prayer guide on Friday. If you didn't get that, let us know. We want to get you on the email list. But if you want a physical copy of this Ukraine prayer guide, it's in the back of the sanctuary as you leave this morning back by the door there. It's also out in the entryway to the outside the office. You can pick one up on your way out. There's also digital copies on our website. Just go to gatewaybaptist.com. Visit our news and events section. This is very one of the top posts there. You'll see it about praying for Ukraine. There's a, a short video you can watch of believers worshiping in Ukraine. It just There's a lot to kind of help guide us on there. And so I just want to point you to that website and point you to copies in the hall and out here as a guide to help you pray as we pray 
for the nations. Now, lastly, we're continuing our journey through the New City Catechism. We're taking a year as a church to look big picture at what we believe to help us understand and be more rooted and grounded in the scriptures. Today, we begin several weeks on prayer, which I'm really excited about. We just spent several weeks on the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit helps us and guides us. If you missed those, those are all on our website at gatewaybaptist.com. You can find them on our YouTube channel. You can find it on Spotify. We've got lots of platforms out there to help you keep up with things if you missed any of those sermons on the Holy Spirit the last weeks. But today, we're kicking off three weeks of talking about prayer. And CJ, our associate pastor, is preaching for us today. So if you're visiting Gateway, you get to hear from CJ. And CJ, we're so thrilled you're bringing God's word today. Been praying for you and excited to hear what the Lord's given to you to show us about prayer this morning. Now, if you're visiting with us and you don't have the catechism to help guide you through, there are copies on the back, back there at the table, also out in the hallway. I'd love for you to take one before you leave, just so you know what we're studying and you kind of see where we're headed next. It's a great tool to review. Now, as we prepare to sing to the Lord this morning, I can ask you to stand, please. I want to read some scripture for us as we focus on the Lord this morning and turn our hearts to him. I want to read from Psalm 46 this morning as we look at the turmoil in the world and even the turmoil that happens in our own lives at times. I wanted to remind us of just who God is and who we're singing to this morning. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he's brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Friends, we get to sing to this God this morning, this God who is with us, the Lord of hosts, the one who is our fortress, the one who says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. Let's focus on his glory and his greatness as we sing to him this morning. Every fear I 
see through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Father of kindness, Father of kindness, you have poured out grace and brought me out of darkness. You have filled me with peace and given mercy, oh my help in time of need. Lord, I can help but
Let's go back to that bridge. We're going to sing this bridge just real soft. We will rest in his promises, and our confidence is found in his faithfulness. Let's sing this. I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. And I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. Oh, the saints and crowns before the land of God and sing. Let's sing that again, all the saints. And all the saints and angels bow before Crowns before the land of God and sing. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things. To you are all things. 
deserve the glory and all the saints and angels bow before your throne all the elders cast their crowns before the
Just remain standing in a heart of worship to the Lord. Here's Psalm 63. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. Just where you're standing or where you're seated. Would you take just a minute and think about God's power and his glory? Just where where you are, just praise him for just a minute for that. We've sung this morning of the faithfulness of God. Would you take just a minute and praise God and thank him for his faithfulness? Psalm 63 continues, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. You take just another minute and ask God to grow in you a heart for responding to his glory with praise. Almighty God, it is good that we can sing to you today to reflect on your faithfulness, your promises, your glory, to realize that you are the only glorious one, to realize that you are the sovereign ruler over all things, and you are the one who is unchanging. Lord, what hope that is for us. God, that we don't have to get up today wondering what type of mood you're in or how you're gonna respond, but you are unchanging and you are so very faithful to your word and to your promises and to us, your people. Oh Lord, may we not lose sight of that as we walk through the trials of this life and carry the different burdens we carry. May we not lose sight of your goodness and your faithfulness. I know in this room, there's so many different burdens that these friends are carrying. And I pray today that they would see you and your goodness holding them and just knowing the promise of your word that is is those in Christ that no one can snatch us out of your hands that you are holding us. I pray we'd rest in that today, knowing that you're holding us. There's nothing we have to do for you to hold us, but it's your sovereign initiative, your sovereign work that holds us and sustains us. It's your Holy Spirit who gave us faith and sustains our faith. And oh Lord, thank you for that. Lord, as we think about the different burdens that people carry, Lord, we do want to pray for the Gateway family. For those who are homebound and sick, Lord, we pray today that they would remember that they're not alone for that they are loved by you, they are loved by us, and that you are right there with them, holding them. I pray you would strengthen their faith this day, strengthen their joy in you this day, strengthen their peace in you this day. Lord, we wanna pray for the families of this church. God, we know that families that honor you is something the enemy hates, and he will do all he can to destroy and divide husbands and wives and parents and children. So we pray today that you will just protect the families of Gateway that you'll keep us close to one another and close to you, that you'll be turning our hearts day by day to see you and your beauty and your glory, and you give us strength to die to ourselves, to serve one another and love one another, even as Christ loved the church. We pray for the hearts of the kids of Gateway, where these precious children will be turned towards you, God, that they would see you for who you are, they see you as the all-glorious, all-powerful God, and they would want to know you, be drawing them close to yourself, Lord, we ask. 
We want to pray for the teenagers of our church. Lord, we're so thankful they got to do the Disciple Now weekend last weekend. God, I pray that the truths that they heard would just stick with them. God, they wouldn't return to normal and just go through life as usual. But God, that you would be anchoring them with a deep, deep faith, Lord, that will forever change them and transform them. Lord, we want to pray today particularly for Ukraine. Lord, our hearts just break at what we see happening over there. Lord, guard us from thinking that's the other side of the world and that doesn't affect us and to not care. Lord, you care for the nations. Lord, we know that one day around your throne, there'll be believers from every tongue, tribe, and nation. So I pray that we would have a heart for the nations. Grow us as a church and our heart for the world and a heart for your name to be glorified in the world. We pray for the believers in Ukraine. Lord, I think particularly of the Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary. Lord, who's canceled all their classes and who is now shifted to meeting needs and housing families and housing children and trying to take care of refugees. I pray you would give them the wisdom they need to know how to care for those who are displaced and to care for those who are struggling. I pray you'll let them be a light wherever they are. We pray for the Disciples Church in Ukraine. Lord, as they seek to find ways to minister there, to make the light of Christ shine brightly, God, give them the strength they need to look to you as the provider for all that they need, and I pray you will strengthen them. We pray for the many who are fleeing their homes, Lord, for you to protect them and guide them, for the many who are staying put, for you to protect them and guide them as well. And Lord, for you to take this mess of a situation, God, and use it to draw people to yourself. I pray the faith of the Ukrainian believers will be strengthened. Lord, we pray for the lost in Ukraine, that they would see how fragile this life is and they would run to you. As well as Lord, we pray for the believers in Russia. God, that you would give them boldness to pray and to speak up and to Lord, be a witness for you. And I pray, Lord, for the many, perhaps in Russia, who are disillusioned at what their government is doing. They would see the reality of brokenness and lostness and sin and that you would turn their hearts to you. Lord, would you take what Satan means for evil and bring great good out of this? Lord, for your people and for the advance of the gospel. Lord, we just thank you that you are on your throne, that nothing happens by chance, but God, you are ruling and reigning, and what a comfort that is for us. Lord, thank you for the blessings of corporate worship, of the opportunity to pray, the opportunity to give, the opportunity to be together and to encourage one another and to speak the truth and love to one another. And Lord, we thank you for CJ and thank you for what a blessing he is to us as a church. I'm so grateful that he is able to preach your word this morning, that you have restored his health and given him a place to where he can do that today. We pray you'll continue to strengthen him today as he preaches your word. I pray you'll give us teachable hearts and teachable ears. And Lord, through today and through the next few weeks, Lord, that you would grow in us as a church a heart for prayer, a heart to seek your face in prayer. So we ask you to do it all for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And boys and girls, first to fourth grade, you are dismissed to kids' worship. So first to fourth grade, go with Mr. Zach to kids' worship. Good morning, Gateway. Good morning, Gateway. Good morning. That's better. I know it's a little gloomy out, but... I know we're talking about prayer, and some of you are like, oh, here we go. <laughs> just kidding. Um, before, before we go any further, can we just give an applause to honor our worship team this morning, you guys? Um, I hope you don't take for granted, but I've been around the world, many churches, part of different churches, traveling as a missionary. And guys, we are very, 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 very blessed to have who we have as a worship team and all the different ones, the different guitarists and drummers and everything. Um, 
for church our size, we have been very blessed with those gifted in music, the singers and everything. So I just pray you never take for granted we come in each week and these individuals are up here leading us before the throne of grace and worship. It's just really awesome. So like uh, Grady said, we are uh, continuing on in our Rooted series. Um, it's always a privilege and honor to be able to get in front of you. And um, the reason I'm still on my stool instead of walking around is I'm still, be very candid, struggling with some anxiety and fear about teaching standing up and moving around. Um, one of the times that I got shocked with my defibrillator was teaching the youth and uh, walking around and doing different things. So um, just being very honest, continue ask for your prayers in that. But um, I'm getting close. I'm getting close. So as an Italian, I hate this, just so you all know. <laughs> That's why some of you close, you better be careful because these things are going to be swinging. So um, I hate sitting down, but uh, work, that's sanctification, right? God's working on me. Um, so I'm very excited to get in the Word today and to encourage us in this area of prayer. Uh, we're going to have a lot of scriptures today. So Xander, you with me, my man? If you guys see smoke billowing from the sound booth, it's because Xander is on fire <laughs> with the mouse. So, uh, so anyway, um, so we're excited. I'm very excited to encourage us. So we're starting this new part in the next few weeks over what is prayer and then how that flushes out in practicality in different ways. So Grady will be taking the next couple parts, but I'm very excited to encourage us in this area. So the question is, that so we start in this part of the catechism, is what is prayer? And prayer simply, um, for this definition in the catechism, trying to see, so that, okay, there it is. Thanks, guys. So prayer is pouring out our hearts to God in praise, petition, confession of sin, and thanksgiving. Prayer is pouring out our hearts to God in praise, Petition, confession of sin, and thanksgiving. I always love going to Noah Webster, uh, his 1828 dictionary. It's like a commentary. I highly encourage that as a resource. I say that a lot from up here because the Holy Spirit just gave him a lot of wisdom as he wrote that original dictionary for us. It's literally got so many scriptures in it. But uh, Webster defines prayer as this. A solemn address, a solemn address to the supreme being consisting of adoration or an expression of our sense of God's glorious perfections, confession of our sins, supplication for mercy and forgiveness, intercession for blessing on others, and thanksgiving or an expression of gratitude to God for his mercies and benefits. So he just elaborates on that. And guys, as I've been praying this week, um, you know, preparing for this, and, and again, I'll be the first to say, whenever we've all hear the word prayer or teachings on prayer, so I know it's very easy for us that go to a tendency, like other major religions of the world, Islam and Judaism and others, that this is a box we check. A lot of us, not all, but it becomes an aspect of duty. That we see prayer as something, oh, it's, you know, it's a part of my DNA, but I got to do it. You know, in the context, and there's different facets of it we're going to see here, but my heart's view is I've been praying this week, that we don't go in this mindset of believing, so, oh, we're going to hear a thing on prayer, and I'm going to have to feel a little guilty or condemned leaving here. That is not the case. I just so, just in the name of Jesus, that is gone. My desire for you this morning, as I've been praying for you, and I feel like God's heart for you this morning, is uh, what John Piper Cotton elaborates here in this, in this quote. He says, prayer is God's delight because it shows the reaches of our poverty and the riches of his grace. As you're here this morning, as I encourage you, and everything we're going to hear going to these different facets of prayers and different areas of prayer, I want you to just hear the word God delights in you. The word delight. Prayer is a delight. 
And just to take it away from this context at times of going from, you know, experiencing it as a duty, but bringing it to delight in this time. And really, as I've been praying this week, it's just, I love how, this is how God operates with me. I just love the reminder as I'm in the office sitting there and preparing and praying as we're going to look at how I prayed, some of the aspects of that. But it just never ceases to amaze me, guys, that, you know, when we look outside here right now, we look at nature and the trees. We look through that window sometimes when we preach and see the sky or think about space, the vastness of it, the stars, the planets, the solar system, things that we see through telescopes. Or if we walk down that hall to the nursery and hold a newborn, a little baby in there, we need every now and then to reorient ourselves about the wow factor of God. And that's what prayer does. We need to recognize that this God, the God of the universe, the creator of all things, who keeps billions of stars in place and us, the orbit and the galaxies, everything that takes place, that God who created that newborn intricately and formed it, that God delights in and desires and takes pleasure in being with you one on one. Just think about that a second. We should, I mean, we could leave right now and just focus on that the rest of the day and be in the awe and reverence of God. But that's the reality of prayer. That's what he decided. That's what it is. That's the delight that we get to experience. Do I hear reverb? Am I good? Thank you, sir. Okay, I just want to make sure. Because I can get going and loud. I'm sorry. Um, but that's my heart's view today, that we can recognize the amazing reality that God desires intimate communion with us and fellowship with us and conversation with us in all these different ways. And he delights and he wants it more than we, you do and I do. He desires it. And I want that to be our posture today as we hear these things, to know that God is saying, come to me. There's an invitation. And it started in the garden, right? After Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't run away or say, I'll bring down the discipline and end it. The pre-incarnate Christ, the second person of the Trinity, went to them. He entered the garden in physical form, looking for them, conversing with them, having communion with them. Now, granted, there was a discipline. There was a consequence. But he engaged them on his own. It started in the beginning in Genesis 4.26. Um, let me bring this turn a little. In Genesis 4.26, it literally is the first time that this was declared, where it said, men began to call on the name of the Lord. So God's heart was there from the beginning. So let's look together. Uh, Psalm 116, 1 through 2. This is Psalm. The psalmist is declaring here, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he, God, inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. I love this. God inclined his ear. Literally means to turn or to bend down. So that's a great visual we need to have, that in, when we see some of these psalms and different aspects of David crying out in different ones, God literally did this. You know, get that visual, that he proactively and initiated leaning in to hear us. It's what he desires. It's a part of who he is. In Jeremiah 33, verse 2 and 3, growing up, my parents and my mom and my dad said, you want to know God's telephone number? <laughs> I don't know if you ever did that with your kids. Well, this is it. Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Here it is. Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. 
Jeremiah 29, just a couple chapters before that. God says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you. Key part is when you seek me with all your heart. And the reason he put that in there is he was declaring this. God was speaking to the Israelites. And praise God for the Israelites, right? Because <laughs> that's us. Obey, disobey, repent, restore. Obey, disobey, repent, restore. That's us. I, mean, I thank God for them. I thank God for David and Peter's for denials. Because I go, whoo, I can still be forgiven. I can still be restored. I can still be transformed. I can still be renewed. And that's what God was establishing here. I just wanted you to see God's heart here. He's inviting, come to me, call to me. Come and pray to me. I will hear you. But I need you to seek me with all your inner man, with all that you are that's of me, and I will be found by you. Jesus said multiple times all throughout the Gospels, when you pray, when you pray. Grady's going to elaborate this on a little further. And one of the times he says, when you pray, here's what you pray. And we all know it very clearly as the Lord's what? Prayer. And he's going to emphasize that in a couple of weeks. Paul encourages the church in Colossae, Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul says, pray without ceasing. So I just wanted to lay these foundational truths saying prayer is a lifestyle. Prayer should be consistent, a part of our DNA. It's who we are in Christ. It's a part of everything that we are in our relationship with God. And thank the Lord for so many moments in the Gospels where Jesus was our example. Amen? Multiple times, Jesus went where? To the mountains, to the wilderness, to go spend time with his father, to go pray to his father. And he delighted in that. There's no way we know who Christ is. He did it as a sense of duty. He went to enjoy his, to be filled, to be encouraged, to experience that relationship, to plead with him. Obviously, it happened in the garden, one of the last time, probably the last time other than crying out on the cross. And then if you want to see the culmination of God's heart when it comes to prayer with Jesus and his father, you get to see that high priestly prayer in John 17. If any of you have not read that chapter and meditated on it and studied it, I really encourage you to do so. Because it's the only prayer, lengthy prayer, than some of the ones in the garden where you really get to see God the Son's heart with his father. And guess who the prayer is mostly about? All of you and me. So I just encourage you to do that. So all that to say, to set the tone, this is God's heart. He delights in this. He's calling us to himself to pray, to be consistent, to pray without ceasing, to make it a part of our lifestyle, our relationship with him consistently. So we're going to look at these few areas, as we declared in the beginning. The prayer is pouring out our hearts to God in praise, petition, confession of sin, and thanksgiving. So let's look at these different ways that we can experience God's delight through prayer. I'm going to keep putting that before you, how we can experience God's delight. And the first one is praise. Another word we can use as synonymous is adoration. So number one is praise or adoration. These two words are synonymous. It means to boast, to magnify, to honor, to glorify or exult on account of perfection and excellent works. I always like to say that these are the prayers of proclamation. These are prayers of declaration. Okay? One way we see example of this is in Daniel chapter 4. I love this. Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan king, came to his senses. God did some things and he, in a sense, had a spiritual awakening. Look what Nebuchadnezzar declares here. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, 
lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever in his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have I done? Or what have you done? Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. You see how he gets to express praise and glory and honor, boasting in who God is. One of my favorite Psalms, and I have read it from here many times, Psalm 145. And guys, I just want to encourage you that prayers of praise and adoration, I also like to use sometimes in my own personal life as a great way to prime the pump. You guys know the old days? Priming that pump, and then at some point the water starts to flow. And the reason I say that is if we get in a position where we never know what to pray, or we're struggling and we're in a pit, or we just come before the Lord in an intimate time and just we're sitting there going, and that happens sometimes. I encourage you, I plead you to do start here. There is nothing God enjoys more than hearing about himself. That's how he's glorified. That's how he's exalted. For us to declare back to him the greatness of who he is. To literally read scripture and pray scripture back to him. Saying, this is who you are. This is what you've done. This is why you're worthy. As we sang this morning. This is why you're to be exalted and glorified. I'm boasting in you. And when you do that, and even to start a prayer time, it just sets the tone. Because <laughs> it's about him and not about you. Amen? So this psalm is one that I prayed out. I mean, this is like a prayer that I pray. I'm going to do the first nine verses. And I just want you to listen. It's not going to be on the screen. Some are, some aren't. I just want you to soak this in and just see how beautiful this is and what David is expressing to the Lord. David says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another, shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Man, you pray that, your heart, I mean, you're in, you're, in, you're engaged. The Holy Spirit at that point can just start breaking down some things or some walls or because you're just going vertical. Praise, uh, prayers of praise and adoration is just making much of God in those moments. And it truly will help you in those moments where it's tough to get going in the beginning parts. My second favorite, obviously y'all know I love Psalm 23 for those who have been around a long time. But other than that, Psalm 103, man, I pray this out all the time as a part of my praise and adoration because it just goes into so many different facets but just in the beginning it declares God is the God who forgives he's the God who heals he's the God who redeems he's the God who satisfies and so again as we're making much of God and boasting in his nature and his attributes and his ways it just prepares our hearts and postures us in the right way to continue on in these other aspects of prayer so praise God we have an opportunity to pour our hearts out to God in praise and adoration
Number two, other aspect of prayer that we have the privilege of getting to come before the Lord is this prayers of petition. And another word you see in, your, in your, uh, the Bible in different translations is supplication. Prayers of petition and supplication. They're, again, synonymous. And these are simply an earnest request for something needed or desired. Jesus makes this one very clear in Matthew chapter 7. He's speaking to the apostles and those following around him. Matthew 7 says, is that right? 7 through 11. Did you give her 7, my man? There you go, buddy. Good job. No smoke yet. Okay, you're good. All right. Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for him bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then who are evil, thanks God, that's real encouraging. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, praise God, will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now this is where we get really muddled as we know with the prosperity gospel, we're just going to call it. This gets so taken out of context and it just, it's just wrong. It's just misguided. The fact that God is asking us to come to him and ask and seek and knock to ask for things or to plead and to come in this posture does not mean it's going to happen the way we think. And if it doesn't, it doesn't mean our faith lacks anything or doesn't mean Satan's coming to steal it. The whole purpose of this whole thing was the last verse. If you then who are evil... Remember, he's speaking to his followers. But what he's saying, if you then who are sinners, you have iniquitous hearts. But if even you guys knew how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more me and the Father, as I go to him, want to give you good things to those who ask him? And the key here, those good things are up to him. It's on his timetable. It's in his will. What his good things are for us. Doesn't mean we don't ask. Doesn't mean we have desires and things he stirs in us that we enjoy that are not necessarily bad. And as we submit those to the Lord, it's up to him. And we trust him in the response or whether or not we get what he thinks we should get. I get that? I mean, yes. And that's a good thing. Why would we ever want to receive anything that's not God's perfect will or what's best for us? The enemies at work a lot of times pressing to give us things that would distract us from him or cause harm in our relationship with the Lord. But through this, we trust God at this moment to know he will give us good things as we ask. So supplication and petitioning have two, twofold. We have an A and a B. The A is petitioning for ourselves. I, all week in there, I've been petitioning for myself. God, give me wisdom. Give me guidance. You know, give me health this week. Every day I pray for myself, for my heart. God, sustain my heart. Sustain the beats. Sustain that I don't go into VTAC and get zapped again. Every single day, that's one of my cries. Is there anything wrong with that? No. He wants me to do that because I recognize he's the God over my heart. He controls every breath I take. Therefore, I'm going to ask that one who's in control of it to do something about it. Because I can't. And so I pray this week about provision. You pray for protection, wisdom, guys, all these things. And you got a litany of a list. And nothing's in and of itself bad unless it just comes from selfish motives. But God wants us to come to him individually and offer these things to the Lord because we know he's good and faithful to do so. Part B, the second part of petitioning and supplication is prayers that we pray for others. And we know that as intercession. So one aspect of petition and supplication is for ourselves 
And the second is what we operate in or do through intercession. Intercession is simply an act of interceding to pass between, to stand in the gap. It's the sacrificial, other-centered prayer that comes from the spirit of Philippians 2, 3, and 4, where Paul says, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. I'm going to say that again. Paul's encouraging us, the church, in humility, to count others more significant than ourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, prayers and petitions for ourselves, but also to the interest of others. We are to intercede, to pass between, to stand in the gap for others. And I love how this is laid out, kind of shows a little bit of what it's about. In Ezekiel 22, verse 29 and 30, it says, The people of the land, which is Israel, God is speaking to the people of Israel. The people of the land have practiced extortion, committed robbery. They've oppressed the poor and needy and have exhorted um, from the sojourner without justice. And I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall, and here it is, stand in the breach before me for the land, for the people of Israel, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. So here's God actually crying out and pleading, going, I'm looking for a man. I'm looking for someone to come intercede, to stand in the gap between Israel and me so that I won't destroy it, to intercede and stand in their place. And we get to see this played out beautifully through Moses' story at the Mount Sinai, and it's expressed in Psalm 106, 23. God says, uh, the psalmist says, Therefore he, God, said that he would destroy them, had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to turn away his wrath from destroying him. So literally Moses stood in the gap. God's here. Israelites are here. Moses was here. And Moses is pleading for God's mercy and forgiveness and compassion, saying, God, please forgive them. Give us another chance. That's what he was doing, interceding, being, standing in the gap between them both. And honestly, at this point, guys, we all know what it was. It was standing in the gap between what? Life and death. And God heard his cries, heard his prayers, and of his own accord, in his own mercy and grace, he relented. And he did not do what he was going to do originally. That's intercession. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20, Paul says it this way to the church in Ephesus. He's encouraging them, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Here it is, making supplication for who? All the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that I may direct it, declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Here's Paul encouraging the church in Ephesus, supplicate for all the saints. Supplicate, petition, pray to me for the saints, for the body of Christ. And then he turns it and go, for me too, please. <laughs> pray for me. Intercede for me. For what reason? So that words may be given to me, so that I can speak boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So here's Paul pleading and understanding this beauty of intercession to pray for someone else. So when we petition God as we intercede for others, it's in the same areas of life. We did it this morning. Great. We do it every week from this pulpit. That's why I love we take the time to prioritize corporately intercession. It's why we as a church prioritize intercession on Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. 
in room one. It's why we as a body corporately prioritize intercession every other Sunday night here at 4.30. There is something about when the body of Christ gets together in unity and power under the lordship of Jesus Christ and we stand in the gap for our city, for other people, for a nation. Right now, millions of Christians around the world are standing in the gap between life and death, between Russia and the Ukraine, between the enemy, the forces of darkness, which is Satan, who does nothing but want to kill, steal, and destroy. And millions of people, all of us together in unity, are standing in the gap for that nation. That's the beauty of intercession. Because it's beyond ourselves. We're looking to others, which is the heart of Christ. So all these other areas, we pray for health and provision, protection, wisdom, guidance, all these things. The list goes on and on. And we just need to see not just the importance of us doing it privately, but saints as gateway, please see the importance of us doing it together, corporately. Whether it's a group, scripture says where two or three are gathered, what? He is in our midst. It could be a group of two or three interceding or a group of 50 or 100 or 200 in here. But it's important to God. He delights in that because it's showing that his people recognize he's it. (laughs) As Jesus asked Peter, are you going to go too? When a bunch of the disciples and followers left Christ, and what did Peter say? Where are we to go? You are the giver of life. You're it. And that's the beauty we get to experience through prayer. Another little sidebar, a couple other different sermons, but just so you know. In Hebrews chapter 7, Jesus intercedes for us. In Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. So even the Godhead, (laughs) I mean, who made this, created it, implored it, is the one who is taking time to intercede on our behalf and shows the importance and the value. So first we praise the Lord and give prayers of praise and adoration. We also give him praise and prayers through petitioning and supplicating through intercession. And number three, which we all love, prayers of confession. Everybody said, y'all, we should. Right now we should be like, praise God that we can come before the God of the universe, the king of all things, and confess our weakness, our sin, our need of him. This is the one we should be like, woo, because if we didn't have an opportunity to confess, where would we be? Going to hell? This is the most, I mean, again, usually when we've done this with the kids at times, you know, I say, should we start with confession or adoration? You know, have a little thing, because confession puts you in the right posture, but even if you're not in the right posture, you still can praise God and give him glory and honor and declare him, right? But this is so important, you guys, prayers of confession, which is just simply acknowledging our sin before God, repenting and asking for forgiveness in the heart of humility. The very famous verse that we always go to in the New Testament is 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So remember, John here is talking to the church, the body of Christ, other Christians. So I've had people in my life over the years, some young in the Lord, a little older, and some a little misguided, say, why do we have to, what, what is the purpose of this verse? He went to the cross. He forgave me my sins. I'm clean. I'm white before the Lord. Why do I have to confess my sins? Have you guys ever little question that at any point? Like, why do we have to do it all the time? Or I've had literally some say, oh, I don't do that as much because he took care of it. He knows my heart. It's done. And it's just a misguided look at this. In the little part of this 1 John 1, a little bit before that, 
John is encouraging the body of Christ, the believers there, to not walk in darkness, but walk in the light. Just before this verse is pronounced. He said, do not walk in darkness, but walk in the light. So as it is absolutely true, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ in this room, if you've placed your faith and trust in him, we are all free from the penalty and the power of sin. Amen? Praise God or we wouldn't be in this room. And we got that through justification. We were justified by faith. Okay? And we get to not experience the penalty or the power of sin. God has empowered us through the Holy Spirit within us to say no to sin, right? You can say no to sin. He tempts us and we can reject it. Sometimes it's more difficult at other times, but we have through the power of the Spirit the ability to do so in him. One thing my father always said growing up, a phrase I'll never forget, and it's not anything that no one else has said, but it's always stuck with me. He says, son, every day, by, you know, we're going to struggle with stuff and we're not going to be sinless every day. We can't. But he said, by God's grace, mercy, power, and strength, every single day we can sin less. And that's the reality of our relationship with the Lord. And we get that through prayer and engaging with him. So just to bring this together in this part. So again, we do not have to be, um, we don't deal with the penalty of sin, the power of sin through justification. However, because we're in a relationship with God on a daily basis, that's the beauty of this relationship. We still have to deal with the pollution and the influence of sin on a daily basis through our sanctification. Anybody sanctified fully yet? Nope. Certainly not this guy. So our mind, our will, and our emotions, which some put in the category of our soul, man, every day those three things are being conformed and chipped away and pruned and us bringing them to the Lord so him to, for him to conform us, to make us like Christ, as Grady taught a few weeks ago. So in that sanctification process of us still struggling with our sin and our flesh, that impacts our intimacy and our fellowship with Jesus. Now, when I disobeyed my mother growing up and my father, rebelled against them and did different things, were they still my parents? Still my father, still my mother. They still have love for me. I still have love for them. But as I disobeyed and I didn't come and make things right, how do you think our relationship and intimacy and fellowship was? There was a separation. It wasn't there. And so until that is reconciled and dealt with, through the heart of confession and forgiveness and repenting, there's going to be a separation in fellowship and intimacy, not the posture of the actual relationship positionally. Y'all, I want you to hear this. So this is where this plays out in this way and why John would have said this, is that when we come to the Lord and we ask for forgiveness and confess our sins, it helps restore this intimacy and fellowship we have with God. And I just want to show you a couple of verses that not many have seen or maybe even know about, but it really spoke to me a lot about the consequences of not keeping a short account of our sins with the Lord daily. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15 and 17, God is again talking about the Israelites. And he said, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before your eyes. Very sobering. So to me, the way this was flow, the way it was written, we got to speak in this. So then I would think if you, the Israelites washed themselves, made themselves clean, removed the evil of your deeds from before your eyes, then I will what? Listen. Because the opposite is true. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. 
Same thing he's talking to the Israelites, just expressing this is who God's heart. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Thank God that's not the end of the story. Because in the midst of God even saying this, behind that declaration that's sobering and bold, behind it here is a God of mercy and grace and love and compassion who delights in his people, who delights in intimacy with his people. And his whole point of saying this is to say, come to me. And that's his heart for us. And again, praise God for David. Poor guy. But um, for us, do you think David experienced sin separating intimacy with his Lord? Absolutely he did. Murder, adultery, some of the choices he made. And praise God for Psalm 51. Just, Just for a little sidebar, Psalm 51 and Psalm 32 are two chapters that you can literally read and pray as a confessionary prayer to the Lord. Because David did. <laughs> so you can take those words. I do this all the time. It's just, it's there to express your heart to the Lord. So I just want you to receive this. Psalm 51, David says, a couple of verses. He says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Did you catch that? Cast me not away from your what? Presence. David recognized that his sin, his iniquity, would impact the intimacy and the presence of the Lord. And what I love about this too is he didn't do, we don't see in this part here, I did the ritual for sacrifice. I sacrificed the dove or I sacrificed this or I went to the Holy of Holies. David's just crying out to God, probably in his throne room or in his bedroom instead of walking out some of the traditional rituals. But he's just saying, God, I need you. Wash me, clean me, cleanse me. Cast me not away from your presence. And God obviously restored David. And again, we see God's heart with David is by saying David was called the what? The man after God's own heart because he was a man of repentance He was a man who recognized his sin, he confessed his sin, and he humbled himself to come back to the Lord, to be restored. So that's the beauty of confession. And so I just hope we all have this posture just knowing confession is a daily, daily encounter with God, that we just say, Lord, I'm sorry, I blew it today, my mind did this, I went there, forgive me for my pride or anger or this, restore to me, create in me a clean heart, Lord, help me not do this same thing again empower me to be able to say no to these temptations. All of that's a packaged confessional prayer. It all comes to the Lord that way. And he's like, yes, come to me, pray that to me, because I know I can empower you through the Spirit and I can help you. It is his desire for us to walk in holiness and purity. So we have prayers of praise, prayers of petition and intercession, prayers of confession, and all of this kind of trickers down to the heart that we come before the Lord, number four, with prayers of thanksgiving and gratitude. And that's simply as we come in humility, we acknowledge who God is and what he has done, knowing he is the source of all things and the only reason we have what we have. Guys, this is one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most important virtues that the body of Christ need to display, reveal, and show the world. That no matter what happens, good, bad, what we receive or not, that we are a people of gratitude. 
that we are people of thanksgiving, that we express that in our workplaces, in our families, in our relationships. If people give you something, be grateful in return because you have that because God allowed that to happen. You know, as children, teenagers in this room, if you get blessed by your parents or anyone, have a heart of gratitude. Thank you, mom and dad. Thank you, brother. Thank you, whoever. Because we were to have a heart of humility knowing we have received that as Christians, understanding God did it. God used someone else as a vessel to bless us, to give us things. So this is such an important prayer time that we come to the Lord in humility, recognizing who he is, that he is the source and provider of all things, and we are so grateful and thankful for what he has done. I want us to read this one together in a heart of unity. Psalm 100, very familiar passage. So let's just declare this together in unity as a body. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. And you know what? I wanted us to read together like that also. What plays into this corporately? You know who else is hearing this other than God? Right now, over this building and over this city, there are principalities and powers. There are demons. Yes, they exist. You want to talk about that later? We can. But there are. There's principality powers over this city that are warring to destroy, to intervene, to cause chaos, to have people not come to faith in Christ, to blind and everything else. And when we do this corporately as the army of God, it sends the message. We are one. We are unified. We recognize as a group of individuals here at the local fellowship at Gateway Baptist Church that he is God, he is Lord, he is sovereign, he's in control, he is king. And us declaring these truths corporately resonate. (laughs) And it blows the roof off of this thing in the spirit and the demons are going, "Uh uh-oh, because they're unified and they recognize who God is and who they are in him. That's why it's important. That's why I do love sometimes that we pray and do these things together. So with that said, just to close and encourage you guys, I love Charles Spurgeon's little uh, quote here at the end. Spurgeon says, prayer is the breath, the password, the comfort, the strength, and the privilege of every Christian. Saints, I hope today you do see this as a privilege and not a duty. That you see prayer as a delight and not a duty. That you see prayer as a pleasure and not a duty. I've had to deal with this. I mean, I've struggled with this area my whole life. But when we come to this posture and recognize the God of the universe delights and takes pleasure and longs for and desires to be with us and to come to him and lay all this at his feet, he has the biggest smile on his face. You know, we've seen some movies and pictures with Jesus smiling. That's God's heart. He wants us to come to him in that way. So this morning, I pray you leave here encouraged, rejoicing, have your inner man excited that we can have intimate fellowship and communion with the God of the universe, our Father, our Master, our Savior, our Lord, and our friend, and that he delights and takes pleasure in being with us and hearing from us. 
as we pour out our hearts in praise and adoration, as we pour out our hearts in petition and intercession, in confession of sin, and in thanksgiving. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. I mean, God, we could spend the rest of the day basking in your presence here, praying, interceding, praising, confessing, doing all these things. And God, I'm just still, I never cease to be amazed that you allow us access. God, praise the Lord for the veil being ripped in two at the cross. And when you said, it is finished, the very next three words in your heart was, was come to me, you have access. And that we can go directly into your throne of grace and mercy. And Lord, even though you're our king, you're not a king that just allows us to walk in your throne room and hit the floor and, and piety and praise and honor. That is true. But you're also a king who's our father. And many times in my hearts of prayers and being with you intimately, I see you get off your throne and you walk down the steps and you pick me up and you bring me to your seat and you allow me to hop up in your lap and you hold me, you comfort me and you allow me the opportunity to feel your presence, to know that you're near, to know that this is who you are. God, that is amazing. And this is what you long to do with us and through us and to us. And may we leave here today that excited to walk out these doors, to begin a communion time with you or encounter with you at different times in our cars, in our homes, in our jobs, wherever it is. But that we know you delight in being with us. God, change our hearts in that as well, God. Please stir in us a delight and a pleasure and a yearning to be with you to recognize how important it is and that you love being with us because it is for your glory and for our good. We praise you and thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now stand as we get ready to sing.
steadfast, you're faithful, you're good. Lord, again, just to recognize that you desire for us to come. And we just pray as we leave here today, Lord, <clears throat> with everything that we've heard, that we recognize we walk out of these doors as your ambassadors, as salt, as light, and recognizing that prayer in our lives is a way to engage with you, to be in your presence, to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to experience peace and comfort so that we will be effective in the world so that we would display your glory and tell of your glory and to magnify and honor and boast of you wherever we are. Thank you for the privilege we get to do that, that we get to be king's kids and your representatives in this world that needs to know you, individuals that are lost that need to be redeemed and brought to saving faith. So thank you for the privilege we have to do that. May we remind us today, Lord, that you desire us to come to you to enjoy your presence intimately and lovingly. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Gateway. Have a great day.